Prince Remembered from The Current. Welcome to Prince Remembered. I'm Cecilia Johnson, a writer over at the Local Current blog, and I'm on the phone today with Roger Lynn, drum machine pioneer and founder of Roger Lynn Design. How are you today? I'm well. Great. I asked you to talk with me today because your LM1 drum computer, in addition to being a signature instrument of 80s music in general, was a key element of Prince's early work. Thinking about the drums and the times 777-9311, the knocking during the beginning of When Doves Cry, how do you think Prince's use of your drum machine influenced popular music? Well, it was a very big deal. Uh, First of all, he was... uh... Uh, an absolute godsend for me. <laughs> if I had made this new product and um, uh, and, and people liked it, but uh, it was his prominent use of it on his recordings and his hit recordings that uh, were a tremendous help to me and the exposure uh, of the uh, LM1 drum computer and to other people that made it seem uh, be seen more as a legitimate instrument. Because I didn't know at the time whether it was just going to be something that people used to produce uh, re- demos uh, or small time and uh, and he had the vision to see it as a, a new sound uh, a new essential element in creating this record so it was it was very nice for me mm-hmm. and I was going to ask that LM1 um, was released under the name LM1 drum computer do you prefer the term drum machine or drum computer when people are talking about it like in popular usage well, uh, the, the general uh, product uh, category of instruments is, is drum machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just called that particular model uh, drum computer because it made sense at the time, uh, given that um, it was a time in, when it was released, which is around 1979, mm-hmm. it was a time when people were putting little uh, chip computers into musical instruments and, and using that as a way to um, expand their capabilities. Mm-hmm. Are you a Prince fan, by the way? Just like a oh, certainly. I I, uh, I enjoyed mostly uh, back then at the time, uh, but he's always been very creative um, and um, and uh, combined a number of musical styles. So he was able to reach a very wide audience. Most importantly, is um, he had ideas consistently and over time, and I think that's what makes someone a real artist is the the frequency and quantity of good ideas. Hmm. You know, ideas are not that hard to come by, uh, but good ideas are. There are lots of bad ideas out there. But I think it's the, the, the frequency and the longevity of the good ideas uh, in any um, musical uh, person uh, or any uh, uh, participant in any art form that makes them a true artist at the time, their ability to see things that other people don't see and uh, and he certainly was very good about that. Do you have any examples in mind? Well, just his use of the drum machines. Mm-hmm. I mean, before that time, you have to understand that there were drum machines. Uh, they were simple little things that people put in uh, home organs and such, and they had very bad sounds and, and fixed beats that, that um, weren't very creative. Mm-hmm. And so when he saw... Uh, this machine that I made that not only had uh, sampled sounds, so it sounded more real, but also you could program your own beats. And then further, that you could alter the sound of the drum. They sounded um, uh, unusual, interesting, and different. Uh, for example, you talked about the knocking sound. Mm-hmm. Well, that was merely a um, recording of a what's called a cross-stick snare drum, which is a... Um, a snare drum hit uh, where you, you slap the, the tip, you hold the tip onto the drum head and you slap the stick against the rim of the drum. And uh, he just used that 
normal sound, but he decided to tune it down about an octave or more to give that, uh, which you refer to as the knocking sound. He did the same thing with the, the tambourine. He turned it into this sort of loose jangle thing uh, that, that didn't sound like tambourine at all. And these became uh, characteristic sounds on his records. And then, of course, a lot of people stole them from them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to ask about that because I was reading from like the Guardian that he sometimes ran the sounds from his LM1 through his Boss guitar pedals. Um, how do you feel about the way that he customized the sound the sounds that you provided in that way? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I wouldn't doubt it. He, um, I think he he was able to uh, hear what the correct sound should be in his head. The one that was interesting and that complemented his music well. And that, uh, and and he knew uh, various. Uh, well, first of all, he had one uh, foot in the, the um, uh, beat-oriented music world, but he had the other foot in the guitar world, in the rock world, mm-hmm. and so he was able to take elements in the guitar world. I imagine, uh, like uh, guitar processing pedals, and use them to process drums. And you know, a lot of people would say, "Oh, that's that's not something you should do. That's not what they were made for." But I think he was able to take things. Uh, and see value in them that other people didn't see. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that Prince's use of the LM1 gave it like a cool factor? Oh, mo- most certainly so. Yeah, he, uh, <clears throat> uh, and that reflected, um, in, in, from my experience, in more popularity of the, the LM1 drum computer and then the drum machines that followed. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was very, very nice. After um, hearing that and getting feedback and um, hearing, you know, your instrument and even more popular music, what did you want to change for your next model, the Lindrum? Well, uh, actually, the the changes that I made um, were more to try and bring the price down because when I first uh, released the LM1, it cost $5,000. And uh, that was very expensive, particularly in in 1979. Mm -hmm. And so somebody like Prince could afford it, but not too many others. And so I tried to um, uh, address that by reducing the cost in in Lindrum, the second product. But that was more... Uh, from um, just the price of some of those computer components uh, coming down than it was necessarily in, in cheapening things. In fact, I added things to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one, the Lindrum, had uh, more memory. It had symbols, which the original machine did not, mm-hmm. and a few other additions. But uh, Prince stuck to the original one. He uh, had a special relationship with that one, and uh, he continued to use it for making records. And in fact, I remember reading a uh, an interview in one of the music magazines with him in, uh, I think it was the 90s, or it could have been early 2000s, and it showed a picture uh, from his Paisley Park studio mm-hmm. in Minneapolis of his original LM1 drum computer, and it had a lamp on it. It was like a shrine, and it was uh, very nice to see that. Yeah. Do you know why he liked it so much? Did you ever find out? Uh, no, I've never met the man. Yeah. Um, he, he, uh, uh, I just think maybe there was a magic in that one that he saw that he didn't see perhaps in the other ones. I mean, one of the things I did take out, uh, one of the things that was very expensive was to have independent tuning of all the drums using the, the digital circuitry of the mm-hmm. time. So I took out the tuning of most of the drums on the second model, and that precluded him from doing all those low tunings like the knocking sound you described. So that may have been the reason. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite beat that he made using the LM1? 
Well, there were so many. Um, uh, uh, when Doves, Doves Cry uh, was very nice. How we started out with the LM1 playing the beat on that, and how we had a, a processor, a guitar processor called a flanger, um, uh, altering the sound of the drum machine so it would sort of um, sweep up and down in tone. Uh, and the record being so stark and so sparse of instruments, it was pretty much just uh, him uh, singing and the drum machine, which was very nice. And then occasionally his guitar would come in or some other instruments, but there wasn't so much more. Yeah. And it was nice to see that. Then 1999 it was a big favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, there's so many of them, you know. Well, in addition to his other musical talents you kind of touched on this talking about how he was like super into guitar um prince was a super he was an incredible drummer like behind the kit do you think that influenced the way that he used your machine i suppose it did i I think a lot of people who used and still use my drum machines who aren't drummers and don't think in terms of rhythmic parts um tend to sometimes uh play as a guitarist, for example, would who sits behind a drum set that he doesn't know how to play. Mm-hmm. He doesn't necessarily know how to create those parts, or he creates too many fills, or he doesn't play the right groove with the beat. Um, and so I think his knowledge of that, uh, being a multi-instrumentalist, um, was probably uh, very helpful in his, able to, his ability to create uh, beats and parts that were more appropriate to the song. And I think he, once again, I think he is a guy who saw music from an overview. Uh, although his main instrument was guitar, uh, I don't think of him as a guitar player. I think of him more, well, in the sense that people now call themselves producer. They think of themselves more of the creator of the entire recording and whatever is needed to produce that. And they tend to think in all the parts, uh, as opposed to someone who only thinks in terms of guitar parts. Hmm. But, you know, he was first the writer and... And uh, as the writer, you tend to think in that way anyway. But as the writer, uh, many people don't have the skills in the individual instruments. So uh, he was able to put it all together. And I I suspect that uh, were he alive today, he would, if he were asked this question, he would probably think of himself more as just a general creator of the music as opposed to necessarily a guitar player. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's really good insight um, for sure. Uh, do you know when or how Prince bought his LM1s? I read on a Prince fan forum that he had two of them, actually. I'm not sure if that's true, but... Well, I suspect he did. Uh, I don't know, uh, because he didn't... I don't think he bought it directly from me at the company, so he may have bought it from a dealer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure. At the time, I, my company was pretty chaotic. I was <laughs> around 24 or 25, and... and Maybe he had bought it from uh, the salesperson of the company. I'm not sure. Uh, but um, hard, hard to say, actually. I think he probably bought it from the dealer. Yeah. Or else I would have heard about it from the people in the company. Yeah, I'd imagine. Um, well, you said you'd never met Prince. Have you been to First Avenue or Paisley Park or Minnesota at all? I think I've been to Minnesota uh, many years ago. Um, uh, but I don't remember when I was a touring guitarist. But other than that, I don't. I think I've been, actually, at sea. Um, if anything, it would have been sometime in the 80s, so a long time ago. I guess, just to wrap it up, um, like you were saying, um, the LM1 drum machine, is, like, drum computer still is in Paisley Park. It's actually, I got to take a tour there um, just a couple of months ago, and um, the tour guides, like, run through 
like they talk about the knocking noise uh, at the beginning of One Dove's Cry. Um, mm-hmm. So tour guides are like briefly explaining the ways that Prince used it every day. How do you feel about hmm. your instrument being so closely tied to Prince's legacy? I think it's wonderful. Yeah. I think he was such a great proponent. I only wish I had been able to meet him while he was still alive. I tried a couple of times. I contacted him through uh, one of his roadies. Uh, and then once I think it was through his manager, but I never got a reply. So, uh, he must've been busy with something at the time. Uh, but, uh, you know, very, I seen him, uh, on an interview, uh, on the Charlie Rose show. And, uh, I thought he was very interesting the way he, uh, thought, uh, yeah. very calm guy too, uh, uh, very calm speaker and seemed to think and speak very cohesively. So, uh, I'm sure he would have been a very interesting, uh, uh, fellow to engage in conversation. Yeah. And it's such a shame because my understanding from having read the article about his passing is he got some bad drugs or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that uh, it's one of those chance things where uh, uh, it wasn't that he had burned himself out or anything like that. He just had a, a, a very unfortunate accident and uh, coincidence of events. Uh, and it's, uh, it's sad when that happens. Uh, and you want everyone to be able to live a, a long and full life. Uh, but uh, then again, um, what's the expression? Uh, the candle that burns mm. twice as bright uh, burns half as long. Yeah, yeah. It's it's sad how sometimes it does work out that way for sure. Yeah, he was like a playful person. I never actually got to meet him in person, but I got to watch him perform a couple of times, and I've heard so many oh. stories at this point. Um, he was like super well spoken, of course, like an incredible musician and. Also, I just enjoyed the sense of humor that he had, uh, like, teasing the crowd and things. Actually, I thought of that when I was looking at the, like, your machines, the instrument and the adrenaline. I thought Prince would get a kick out of those puns. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I tried to say, when one of those communications, I tried to give him an adrenaline pedal, because as a guitar player, I think he'd appreciate it. Bummer. Um, Well, anything I forgot to ask about or something that you wanted to highlight or wrap up with? Um, well, the only thing I would mention is, is that, uh, um, it's a sh- I, I do regret that he was not able to ever play with my, uh, my current instrument called instrument because he was about to add an expression to music. And I think he would have valued that. Um, you know, one of the problems that happens in music now is that, um, everyone's playing music with on-off switches, mm-hmm. uh, a standard electronic keyboard is, is basically a bunch of on-off switches and, I think as a result, um, uh, there is uh, some missing expressiveness that one found in guitar or in earlier forms of music, uh, violin or cello or, or saxophone or instruments like that. And he was very expressive on guitar and in his singing, of course. And, and I think that's such a wonderful element. And uh, I, I do lament the fact that ever since uh, pop records have been produced entirely elect- electronically, um, there are no more instrumental solos. Hmm. Uh, and I would like to see that again. And I think he would have um, been able to use the instrument uh, in combination with, with synthesis to perform, uh, to find, to use his, uh, his vision to be able to uh, create new forms of, uh, of electronic synthesis, instrumental solos on his records that I think would open up a whole uh, new generation of, of um, uh, synthesis musicians. Uh, and there are, there are a few people with that vision, uh, and it's, it's, it's uh, sad that he's, <laughs> he never had a chance to do that. 
Um, well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Certainly. Prince Remembered from The Current.